0: Welcome to Pop Psych 101,
1: where we, licensed therapist Ryan Engelstad
0: and licensed psychologist Dr. Haley Roberts,
1: break down and analyze how mental health is represented in movies, shows, books, and across the pop culture and social media landscape.
0: We will determine what lines up with real life and what is just pop culture fantasy.
1: This is Pop Psych 101. Welcome back to Pop Psych 101. I am licensed therapist Ryan Ingolstadt, here as always with my ghost of Christmas present, Dr. Haley Roberts.
0: Hi! Boo! (laughs) (laughs) Hello!
1: Yes, a very uh, spooky but spirited uh, hello to you, uh, Haley, and we are back with another episode here and we're we're doing a christmas a christmas special a pop psych 101 christmas special yay because you know tis the season and there's a wealth of plenty of hallmark movies out there that we could have chosen from with fascinating stereotypical relationship dynamics but we you know went with something A little different, but also traditional somehow. Yeah. And that is uh, Apple TV's Spirited starring Ryan Reynolds and Will Ferrell. So we are going to get into that um, after the break as usual. But to embrace the Christmas spirit, Haley, I have to ask you, you know, as we're watching this. You know, obviously it brings me back to some of my favorite Christmas movies, you know, Christmas carols and things like that. What about you? What 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 are your go-to Christmas movies this time of year?
0: Yeah. The other day I was at a white elephant party and we were talking about it seems as though there's two types of people. One are the people who re-watch all the movies that they enjoyed from their past, like the, you know, the Santa Clauses and the Home Alones and like the the yep. white Christmases, like those kind of things. And then the other person is the one that watches all the Hallmark time, Lifetime kind of movies.
1: Like, whatever's the new weird thing? Yeah, yeah. like,
0: the, the algorithm. It's a very explicit algorithm. And I am a sucker for that algorithm.
1: <laughs> Interesting.
0: I love the, like, Hallmark-y type Christmas movies. I will watch them literally year-round. Maybe, like, bring me so much joy because they're so predictable and wonderful But I think, like, the one that I like the most, it's called, I think it's called The Spirit of Christmas. And it's, like, this, like, very attractive man from the Prohibition era that, like, gets killed on Christmas Eve. And now he haunts the house every year. And she comes to buy the house for her business. And then she runs into him and they fall in love. And then maybe he keeps living. I don't remember how it ends. But
1: But he's a ghost?
0: Yes, he's a ghost. Ryan, believe okay. a little bit. We had plenty of ghosts in this movie. No, I know. Well, but
1: but like Hallmark, I tend to think of those movies as like a little bit more grounded in reality. Do they? Are they they together? A living person and a ghost person?
0: Yes. But <laughs> now I, I need to know
1: what this movie is about. It's
0: wonderful. Does he come back to certainly. life? <laughs> I think he does at the end. I think like their love brings okay. him back or something.
2: Oh, uh, well, that's like good. Solves that solves the mystery of his murder.
0: Okay. Um, so like that, great. Like, it's very Susie Q but yeah that one i think is my favorite but then there's another one called 27 dates of christmas and basically this woman goes like last minute christmas shopping and ends up like falling back and hitting her head and she kind of like re has this date that with the person over and over again 27 times until it's perfect
1: (laughs) oh of course
0: so love them both i'm on board but Cute. all those very stupid ones. <laughs> How about you? What's, what's more your type?
1: But it sounds like there's something comforting there for you. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, you know, I'm sure people will not be surprised to hear that I'm the rewatcher. I'm yeah. the, like, traditional, like, cozy see-the-things that I've seen a hundred times before. My go-to ones, uh, ironically enough, is one of the ones is the Muppet Christmas Carol. <laughs> I don't know why. Something about Gonzo and... Fozzie bear and and fozzy bear as as fozzy wig just like a warm cup of hot cocoa i love that I've, I've definitely gotten into periods where i watch like a christmas story every year but when you have a kid you don't realize how kind of dark a christmas story is <laughs> and like oh we don't we don't watch that with our five six or seven year old as uh-huh. she's been growing up so then it's become like she loves watching home alone with us so we get really into the home alones that's um fun. and then i'm also a sucker for like the really old like claymation or like stop motion like rudolph the, red no, yeah. reindeer yeah yes
0: yeah it's very like the old remember abc families like 25 days of christmas or whatever that's kind of totally. what you're talking about yep. yeah
1: yes yes yeah that was all my stuff both Grinches like actually I should say all three Grinches so the original cartoon Grinch is yeah, great right. and short and sweet yeah Jim Carrey's Grinch is like Fantastic. a little dark but also very good and yeah. then the most recent animated Grinch is great I
2: don't know that if I've you seen haven't that
1: seen one. that one Benedict Cumberbatch is the voice of the Grinch oh, and it is oh, really I good
0: seen that one okay
1: And Haley, it's even especially good for us because they do like a Grinch origin story. And naturally, he's got like childhood trauma that what is what made him into the Grinch.
0: Maybe that's what we do next year for our Christmas. Okay. All
1: right. Sounds good. But yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's there's there's no wrong way to do it. I think, you know, you find what what makes you happy and what makes you comfortable and bring you through the holidays.
0: Yeah, can be a hard season. So just find the fun stuff.
1: Absolutely, no, no judgment here. Whatever no. it gets you through, right? Yeah, yeah, because there's there's plenty of time for trying to change and 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 New Year's uh, resolutions and all those sorts of things. Uh-huh. Um, as we're going to get into right after this break with Spirited, yeah. Hey everyone, Ryan here. No ad this week, but a quick request. We would love to know where you follow us. So if you wouldn't mind taking 10 seconds while you're listening to today's episode, reach out to us on your social media of choice. Say hi, say what's up, request an episode topic. We would love to hear from you. And now back to the episode. Pop Psych 101 discusses mental health as it is portrayed in pop culture media. And because of this, we often cover sensitive topics that can be triggering for some listeners.
0: We also delve into the characters and plots of these stories, and therefore, spoilers abound.
1: So please, use your discretion as you listen to the rest of the episode spirited is a 2022 american christmas themed musical comedy film directed by sean anders and starring will ferrell and ryan reynolds a christmas carol is it's obviously a modern adaptation
2: <laughs>
1: and st- the the story is the ghost of christmas present played by will ferrell is nearing retirement which would mean a return to earth he sets his sights on an unredeemable man who may end up helping the ghost come to terms with his own past.
2: <laughs>
1: what what a nice, what a nice, uh, you know, it's funny because I remember seeing trailers for this and being like, oh, what? That's, that could be good. I don't, that, mm-hmm. it seems like a very convoluted <laughs> sort of yeah. like way to do this, but. But hey, I mean, uh, you know, starring Will Ferrell and Ryan Reynolds is kind of hard to go wrong, right?
0: I know it was very meta too. Well,
1: yeah, and it, and it starts off as if it was made for us. I mean, the the opening quote Haley is, I think Ryan Reynolds or, not, or I should say Will Ferrell doing a voiceover, and he's basically saying, "Do people change?
0: Uh-huh. Like, do
1: people make real, lasting change?"
0: Uh-huh.
1: As the ghost of Christmas yet to come is pointing at a woman who they've helped change uh, and her grave who
0: is uh Rose Byrne who is yes. like wonderful
1: wonderful yes yeah it's it's you know I, I i will say as like a creative idea i mean the idea that you know they helped Ebenezer Scrooge and then it was like so successful that they just kept on doing it for the next couple <laughs> yeah. hundred years um is like a really fun idea yeah and you know where they took this story was was really interesting because You know, they create this reality, and then through it are dealing with some pretty real questions. Are are people capable of changing? Mm -hmm. Does that is it possible to be irredeemable? Like a very heavy word that you know. I think people that you and I work with maybe have wrestled with themselves. Yeah. So maybe we should start our conversation today about uh, Ryan Reynolds' character, who's the uh, the modern Scrooge, as it were. Uh-huh. Um, will Farrell's The Ghost of Christmas present sort of zeroes in on this guy because he is, you know, someone who Will Farrell's character sees as having a better chance at creating more ripples. Like if we yeah. can only help this guy, um, imagine the, the positive ripples that will, will come out.
0: It'll help more people overall. Yeah.
1: Yeah, because you know, he's got a very wide-ranging job and he influences a lot of people. And prior to that, it looked like the team was going to pick this sort of very stereotypical Scrooge type, like a uh-huh. manager of a hotel who's just like a, like an obviously terrible person.
0: Yeah, just like super bossy and mean.
1: Yeah, well, which is so interesting cuz you know, when you when you compare the Ryan Reynolds character to this character we only see for a couple minutes, How are they that much more redeemable or irredeemable? I don't know. It's such an interesting label to use. Mm
0: -hmm. Well, yeah. I mean, I think like what they're under kind of like understanding about it was that like Clint Briggs, so Ryan Reynolds' character was like, Yes, I'm a bad guy. Great, move on. Almost like this dedication to evil rather than just naturally evil.
1: Right. And I guess the sort of the implication of the like course of treatment, which is sort of like a fun way to think about the the ghosts of past and present and, uh-huh. and Christmas yet to come. Like as soon as he's sort of like, yeah, I get what you're about to do. You can show me the all the terrible things. Uh, this is who I am. I'm not going to uh-huh. be any different. You know, I guess that that's their perspective on like someone who's in a way like treatment resistant, perhaps uh-huh. immune to whatever they think they can show him that's going to, help him change who he is. Uh-huh. So it's, it's interesting in that they kind of set him up as a person who it doesn't matter what insight you share with him. He's accepting of being this kind of person. Yeah.
0: And like attached to it, almost. you know, and I
1: think a- attached to it, like, yeah, it's like a, a part of his identity that he embraces. Yeah. You know, we think of the classic Scrooge as being someone who is unaware of the impact he is having on people that he is very sort of selfish and and Uh self-centered, but he is sort of shocked by the negative ripples that he, Mm -hmm. you know, comes to learn he causes throughout the course of his actions.
0: Well, yeah, I think the difference is the original Scrooge is shocked that like the person that he was mean to had a bad time. Right.
2: Sure. Whereas
0: like the Clint Briggs figure, um, he, is aware of that first ripple but what what we come to find out as the like episode progress or like the movie progresses is that he's not aware of like yeah. where that hurt goes after he has released it into the world. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and you know, in a very sort of classic similarly Scrooge like origin story <laughs> Clint also has some trauma that he's been through in the classic sort of Christmas uh, ghost of Christmas past uh, process. We see a pretty, pretty rough upbringing. No dad. It felt like was in the picture. Single mom.
0: (laughs) Real mean single mom.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Really unfortunate dynamic that he and his two siblings were having to deal with growing up. Mm hmm. And and even when Clint revisits some of those experiences, it's just like, you know, yeah, like that sucked. But his his perspective on it was that actually, that was one of the best lessons that he ever learned. Was basically like, don't trust anyone. Like, don't yeah, never well, assume something good's gonna happen.
0: Yeah, and that's just protective reframing, right? Absolutely. So it's it's the thing that people do. Of um, well, I didn't like her anyway. <laughs> right mm-hmm. so like it, yeah. it it didn't bother me anyway because it taught me how to x y and z and it's like okay yes you may have learned something great about it or you may have learned that like that's not actually a person that you really liked however you can also be really hurt by that scenario too it doesn't have to be either mm-hmm. or yeah
1: yeah, and Clint as a let's say, as a potential client, you know, if you or I were were seeing him, feels like the kind of person who would be mandated or like strongly encouraged by a parent or spouse or 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 boss to like yeah. no, you need to do this because
0: yeah.
1: you know, this relationship's not working out or whatever yeah. it might be.
0: Yeah the line that I, or like the note that I wrote was this feels like therapy when a person isn't on board. Um, and that explicitly came from like when they start the, the journey and Ryan Reynolds is like, Mm -hmm. wait a minute, are you Christmas calling me? Like, is that what's happening here? And like, what, what's like, why, what's, what's your thought when it could be anybody else? Why me? Like of all the people that very much, I like had this moment of like this one patient that I had that like, no matter what I said, they were like, Hmm. well, no, here's why that's not correct. Or like, here's why that's stupid. Or like, no, I don't want to do that. And I'm like, why are you here? Like, what, what work are we doing if you clearly Mm -hmm. don't want to be here? Um, But that's definitely what it felt like. But also in a way where he doesn't leave, which also like, I don't know how much he could technically but like you <laughs> right
1: know, right frequently, he was along for the ride yeah,
0: yeah yeah but like he when when the, the new version of will ferrell calls him from the room at the office party he like goes and finds him rather than ignoring it right um, mm-hmm, yep but that happens i think a lot in therapy as well Is like even people who aren't on board sometimes like keep coming back and and oftentimes mm-hmm. it's like a repeated question of like what are your goals? What are you hoping for? What are your values? Like, what, what are we doing here? I had that feeling too.
1: Well, absolutely. You know, it it reminded me, you know, when I worked in substance use, obviously we, you know, we would work with people who were mandated, you know, they didn't Uh want to be in treatment. They didn't want to be in therapy. Um, But they were Required to be there by the law um, for one reason or another. And, you know, you would get very similar thing where it's like, I'm going through my spiel about how treatment's going to work and, and uh-huh. you know, and all they want to talk about is like how the judge screwed them or how uh-huh. the police officer did this or that. And it's basically like, you got the wrong person. Like, I'm not supposed to be here. And even even Clinton says that, it's like of all the murderers and uh-huh. people who do gender reveal parties, which <laughs> is one of my favorite jokes of the, of the movie, you know, you chose me... Like, I don't get it. He doesn't see himself as having so many negative qualities that this sort of course of treatment should be applicable for him. Uh And yet, as he gets to know Will Ferrell's character and as he gets to revisit some of those experiences, he does very much willingly go along for the ride. And it's not so much in the spirit of (laughs) I want to change, but like almost like a curiosity is what the the vibe that I got. Like as soon as he met Will Ferrell's character. Yes. It's like, what's this guy's deal? What's he about? And whether that's coming from like, you know, Clint's sort of natural manipulative tendencies or, Mm -hmm. you know, just sort of some degree of acceptance of like, okay, if I have to deal with these people in this weird night, I might as well. Go along with it. Yeah. He definitely
0: seems like somebody who, like, I think it's probably what makes him very successful at his job. Um, but mm-hmm. somebody who's like, I'm curious to see where this story goes, or like, I'm yes. curious to see how you're gonna spin this. And so
2: mm-hmm.
0: I think to me that's kind of what keeps him along, is like, all right, I'll bite. Like that's what it feels like.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. That and um and you know, certainly when when I have worked with mandated people who have had to come into treatment by law you know that's that's sort of part of the the relationship building is like hey i know you don't want to be here but
2: presumably you do want to get off probation right
1: exactly or presumably you do want to you know improve your relationship with your parents or Mm -hmm. presumably you do want there are things that we can kind of align with each other to to get through this experience in a way that benefits you yeah Cause that's sort of what I'm, I'm going to call him Roberto. Cause I think it's funny <laughs> that will uh refers to his character that way that Roberto sort of tries to consistently kind of convince him that no, he, he needs to experience these memories. He needs to, to basically do this work. And it was a very, and we just got this meta before because unlike the original Christmas Carol, mm-hmm. uh, because roberto is like naming the process that clint's character clint is supposed to be experiencing it's like no this is your trigger moment or this Uh is your you know revealing you know Uh this is this is the part where you're supposed to get the understanding of how you became this person and I, i wanted to ask you because as a therapist you know obviously we can also be meta we can also Name the experience of what's happening in the room. Yeah, is that something that that you do, or what? Oh what are gosh. your thoughts on sort of like, yeah,
0: yeah? I'm a super meta therapist. Um, I think yeah. what also adds to the meta ness of this movie is that Ryan Reynolds has seen a Christmas Carol, and so he's like,
1: of course, right. So he knows. Wait, yeah, hold on. Yeah, is the it like right? So it's goodness. even more yeah. meta.
0: Like he already knows what's happening, and then yes, Roberto yes. or Will Ferrell, he's like even further describing it, but. Yeah, uh, I'm an explicitly um, meta-therapist in that in my first like consult phone call that I have with people, the like 15 minute one to see that we're a good fit, I explain to them what ACT Mm -hmm. is and the process of how I do therapy. I explain that in that first meeting and I'm like, this is how I do it. How does that sound? Do you feel on board? Mm
2: -hmm.
0: Partly because I think like you, there are such different types of how therapy can be done that different people Mm -hmm. are actually looking for different processes. So like if you're somebody who just like wants to come in and have somebody kind of like acknowledge that what you're going through is hard and, and kind of that's it. I'm not the therapist for you in that regard. Mm -hmm. Um, However, there's plenty of people who are, or if you're somebody who wants to come in and you have like this very specific goal of like, I want to learn these very specific skills. And I want to change my thoughts and I want to, I want to get rid of my irrational, whatever. I'm also not that therapist because I'm not a very mm-hmm. like explicit skill set based therapist. Um, and so like, no. I always explain, I also then like, sometimes I'll do therapy and then at the end or later or a few weeks past or whatever else, well, here's why I ask that question. And I kind of explain, yeah. like, this is how this applies to your therapy.
1: Yeah, it's it's really interesting because obviously, to your point here, there are very structured versions of therapy. I'm thinking yeah. like EMDR, for example, where we would name and we would even say, you know, similar to what uh, Roberto or maybe we should call him Ebenezer. I mean, that's what yeah, he actually is, right? With you know, Yeah, yeah Scrooge literally does where he's recalling up certain memories like, okay, Uh can you bring up X, Y, Z? And we go there.
0: Like CP is like Christmas present.
1: And there are therapeutic approaches where it's like, okay, you know, last, last time we left off on this memory and this, this feeling or this experience, let's go back there. Let's reorient yourself, ourselves to that experience and pick up where we left off. Uh And that sort of high degree of, of structure and and sort of meta naming the process has been shown to be helpful in, in some circumstances. And certainly yeah. for people who are comfortable working in that context, it can be really
2: it can
0: be really powerful. Yeah. Well, and I also think like sometimes explicitly is particularly in like trauma work or
2: mm-hmm. um,
0: or like work where you are stepping into a hard space. I think it can be really helpful to like kind of give them a heads up. of, Hey, I have a question I, I'm curious about when your sister died. Do you mind if I explore that with you a little mm. bit? Right. Yep. Sometimes a heads up is kind of needed rather than just being like, so your sister died, huh?" Um, like yes. that can be yeah. jarring in a way that can be untherapeutic, or which is, mm-hmm. is is what happens in this movie, right? So they they throw the the sister dying like scene. On him, and he's like, "Whoa, whoa, 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 no, 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 no!" And he literally runs.
1: <laughs> yes, he does.
0: And then later, Will Ferrell's kind of like, "Okay, I think we should go back and revisit a scene." And Ryan Reynolds is like, "Um, um okay." And Ryan Re- or Will Ferrell's like, "Stay with me. Like, I'm here. Don't worry. Don't run." Mm-hmm. And that's yep. a little bit like more, I think, uh, kind of a therapy
1: way yeah and and obviously will ferrell's character is going through some of his own stuff during the course of this experience both because he's reminded of his own experience of being quote-unquote unredeemable because yeah. he is scrooge
2: <laughs>
1: but also because he is at you know at the at the st- onset of the movie being sort of like gently encouraged to go into retirement which for ghosts of christmas present means becoming a human again for some, you know, period of time. And he's sort of resistant to that, which I thought was just like a really interesting wrinkle because they acknowledged in the course of the movie that he didn't live very long after...
0: <laughs> it was like three weeks. After
1: ha- yeah, after, you know, having visits from the, the various ghosts and, and learning his lesson and, and, you know, changing who he was. He lived three weeks after this experience and he didn't get to you know, really Test see the it. fruits of his yeah. change and his labor. Yeah. yeah. So so there was some something kind of sad and tragic about that. Was that was a
0: really funny joke where he yeah. said, like, yeah, the leading cause of death back then was January. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yes, yes. I was
0: like, oh my gosh, that's so funny.
2: <laughs>
1: yes. Yeah. And, you know, acknowledging throughout the course of the movie that this person did want to be a person again given the opportunity he wanted to love and he wanted to experience indoor plumbing and he wanted Uh, to have a bro like you know i think kind of visiting all these people's lives you know on some level made him kind of yearn for this even if he didn't name that desire out loud
0: yeah well and also like i think this is and this comes up in almost everything we do i feel and i think it's because it's the most human thing being held back by comfort and fear so he's Mm. good at this job and he feels good doing it because it is like he likes changing people he has liked changing people he feels good about changing people it has served him it has functioned really well for so long however it's now at a point where like it no longer serves him in a fulfilling way in the way that like his desire to have a partner would and yeah. I think that that happens to us as people a lot, as we get kind of stuck in like the thing that we're doing and we're like, well, it's good enough, um, without checking in with ourselves of like, well, it's been good enough for, in his case, like hundreds of years, Yeah. but is it still good enough? Right. Like, is mm, it still yeah. fulfilling? Is it still meaningful? Or is it time for you to readjust your valued actions? Which ultimately
1: it is. Yeah, and it's and it's interesting. I mean, you you said that uh, when we were talking about doing this movie, like, oh, this is therapy. Uh-huh. And if we if we treated Ebenezer as therapist, you know, certainly we would recognize signs of maybe therapists may be dealing with something like burnout, or a therapist may be dealing with something like transference or counter transference where there's Uh you know things going on that are interfering with the work being done in the way it's supposed to be done Uh you know that's why i I found myself sort of being interested in that process being reinforced when jacob marley kind of catches them visiting Uh ebenezer's past right and it's like well, it's like, no, I was I just thought, you know, I could show him this and and then that would help him understand, you know, that he could change too. Uh-huh. You know, and I think realistically, you know, when as as therapists, we do try to, for example, use tools like self-disclosure and things uh-huh. like that where you know, we might decide how much of our own experience to share with a patient for their benefit. But it's uh-huh. a slippery slope, and that's yeah. why it's, you know, when when therapists are in training and in school, like that's a big topic of like, yeah, hey, frequently. this is a tool, but it's also something that we want to be very conscious of when we use it.
0: Yeah. So I think there's two things that are identified there in a in the therapy relationship. One is self Mm-hmm. How much do you tell? When do you tell it? Are you telling it because it's something to do with you or are you telling it because it has something that will be therapeutically beneficial for your patient? Mm-hmm. But the other part that pops up is also the importance for therapists to be aware of their own stuff and their own psychology. And um, it seems as though in this, like a lot of stuff is coming up for Scrooge about like his feelings about what it meant to be unredeemable and how, like, Mm -hmm. how much joy he has experienced from change and like the, the way that it's served him. And he then is placing his value set on. Clint, right? So for example, there's one episode or one section where he like starts describing like, look, this is your, what your life would have been with Nora and children and whatever. And Clint goes, I think this is the life that you want for yourself. And then it turns out like, yes, that is the life that Scrooge wants with Kimberly, Octavia Spencer's character. And that's something that I'm like incredibly thoughtful about in ACT therapy, which is When are therapists putting their values on their patient, right? So like, if you think that it's important for a, I'm going to pick something uh, that people think they can have an opinion about, whether a woman wants to have children or not, right? Like, just because you might think that that's important, does not mean that your patient thinks it's important. And like, that can Mm -hmm. be really hard. It can. Especially when it's like things that feel like explicitly... Oh, a, a great example. This came up all the time when I worked with um, young adults on the autism spectrum. Their parents mm-hmm. always want them to like have a social life in a very kind of like specific way. And...
1: Yeah, traditional, I'm sure. Yeah.
0: And some of my patients really wanted that, right? Others were mm-hmm. like, I don't really like hanging out with people and I don't really... Like I talk to my friends online and that's kind of, I'm good with that. Like I, yeah. the emotional, social needs are met in that regard. And what was happening in those moments was these parents were putting their, like, what they value on their child and their child was like, I don't really value that. And therapists can do that as well. Particularly, I think in that same example, it's like a lot of therapists are like, well, let's teach you how to make friends. And they're like, I don't want to make friends. <laughs>
1: Yeah, or even the ways of making friends that we would assume are comfortable or normal or traditional, uh-huh. you know, I mean, changes fast. I mean, I can I can mm-hmm. say as someone who's been a therapist for a little while now, talking to people, talking to younger people about online dating is... Uh-huh a little terrifying because uh-huh. it's not something that I ever had to deal with. And it's uh-huh. like the clearest example of something that's changed uh-huh. um, that I don't have any like uh-huh. touchstone experience uh-huh. with. So anytime people are talking about that or like the struggles with it or, or approaches to it, I have to kind of, you know, and, and like therapists do this in general, but just like take that step back and be like, I I just don't know enough about what this experience is like. Uh-huh. So I can't even make uh, assumptions that are based in the the experiences that you're having dealing with this that are helpful for you.
0: (laughs) Ryan, you need to find a single friend who is doing the dating thing and just swipe for him or her a little bit. Oh my god, that sounds terrifying. (laughs) Well, I think like another like way that it comes up in in like not romantic relationships is I like asked my mom, how did people make friends or meet partners? when you were my age because i think these days to although i am making an observation and i don't know if it's the age that i'm at or what but it seems to me that more and more of my patients are moving away from apps again and like meeting people in person more and more which maybe but like i think because the apps are available meeting somebody at a sports club or meeting somebody in the bar or like meeting somebody in the wild like that doesn't happen as much i think the one that does kind of continue to happen is meeting through friends of course but but because the like the apps are available like people aren't people in bars because they don't have to they get to go home and lie in bed and swipe through 60 women or 60 men or whatever that's right whereas there would only be one at a bar and i do think that you're right like things change so quickly that like your your thoughts about it may not be their thoughts about it Mm -hmm. yeah
1: yeah yeah and it becomes really important in that dynamic to kind of let that person lead. I mean, you yeah. know, you know, uh, Ebenezer as a, as a ghost of Christmas present, you know, is experiencing Clint's memories with him. Mm-hmm. And as he's doing that, you know, is naming like, oh my gosh, this is such an important memory. And of course, Clint is inclined to like run away from it. Uh-huh. And I think, you know, it's so interesting because when you have a, uh, rigid, and again, I'm just going to keep kind of referring to this as like a treatment process, or as like uh, a you know protocol, because that's what it is. It's yeah. like it's like uh, past, present, future, and then the or, or uh, you know yet to come, and then he points at the grave, and then either the person becomes a better person or they don't. <laughs> like that is the course of treatment, <laughs> and yeah. you know when it's the, I think when a, a course of treatment is that rigid, um, when someone is resistant to that, it can really Uh, like throw a wrench into well what now well it's like if we were doing this and now you don't want to do that anymore Yeah. now what happens Um, and we kind of see how Ebenezer responds to that which is basically he has his own kind of breakdown and ends up accepting (laughs) retirement and (laughs) becoming becoming a real boy a a real old man again he's
0: like I'm gonna shower once a month New York
1: (laughs) oh my gosh yeah yeah and then you know and then it becomes a very different dynamic right um and I said before we uh started recording that it, it then sort of in some ways felt like it took on this sponsor-sponsee relationship where it's like oh we're both learning or we're yeah. both in this process together
0: Yeah that idea that you said before we started yeah. where you said it feels like a a sponsor-sponsee relationship because scrooge was an unredeemable like i've been through yes. this redemption journey
2: mm-hmm. that
0: very much feels like a sponsor sponsor kind of like message like i yeah. have explicitly been on this journey so i can lead you through it whereas like therapists the journey is more like i don't have to be on the journey because it's your journey i'm just here to help you through that's right it. yeah
1: mm-hmm. yeah and you know, I think the, the sponsor-sponsee dynamic and for people who don't you know, know anything about what that what that is, you know, in uh, anonymous, whether it's um, Alcoholics Anonymous, Narcotics Anonymous, um, all sorts of groups like that, sort of uh, community support type groups, 12-step groups in particular, um, sponsors are people who have been through the steps in this case and are ready now as part of that process to then help other people go through that process. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in the case of Alcoholics Anonymous, you know, maintain sobriety. So in this case, it is similar because Ebenezer was unredeemable, was redeemed, now is now helping other people through that experience. And I think it's is particularly, you know, and, and having worked with people who have gone through AA, you know, I think there very much is this sort of transference experience where it's like, oh, if I see someone in the rooms, who reminds me of that younger version of me. Uh Like it becomes something where it's like, I got to talk to that guy. Um, I have to share my story. I have to share my experience um, or girl or woman or whoever. But but that becomes a really powerful part of the sponsor's ongoing recovery because Mm -hmm. it's like, this helps me reinforce the work that I've done to get to where I am Mm -hmm. by, you know, helping you kind of achieve those same results. So it's it's powerful stuff.
0: yeah. Taught in that process isn't it it's like part of your yes. process is then passing it on to the next generation of that's variety. right yeah right.
1: and and similar uh to you know people when they're going through that 12-step program you know uh relapse and ongoing uh struggles is is another part of that experience and we see ebenezer especially as he's reborn retired (laughs) into the world you know a real person again starts to experience the sort of ups and downs of what it's like being a person again Mm -hmm. and even though he has a great night as he says uh with kimberly name kimberly yes octavia spencer's character is kimberly she's like the executive vp to clint's business Mm -hmm. he has a great night but then he uh, despite having that great night with Kimberly, just sort of is sort of still despondent about it, like doesn't feel like it's going to go well, doesn't feel like he did good enough. And I think when people have had enough negative experiences, whether it's things like relapses or retraumatizations, it can be very easy to kind of fall into that sense of helplessness of just like, you know, it, it's, I'm just going to keep ending up here. It doesn't, doesn't matter. And And I think, you know, Clint very similarly is like, um this is who I am. Mm-hmm. Um it sort of becomes part of the identity even when they don't want it to be. There's a there's like a over identification or like an acceptance that's unhealthy in a way. It's the like
0: over identification is like this is the person that I am.
1: Yes. Yeah. Yes. Because I think you know, and recovery using that sticking with that metaphor, it's like, oh, it's like I'm I I'm just a person who drinks, and it's like, okay, well, you're a person who has been a drinker or has person who oh, yeah. has experienced Somebody these who difficulties to
0: drink repeatedly.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Well, right. and I think that like, and
1: that brings us like, back to choice, which is yeah. exactly where they where they go with this movie as
2: well. Yeah.
0: yeah, yeah, and I think that also is that that question of like, can people change? Is anybody unredeemable? And my thing is mm-hmm. like. Well, it depends. Do they want to redeem themselves? And I think that's kind of what it comes down to is, so the second question I asked was, like, can people change? And they said, yes, we are therapists. Yeah. Um, because if you and I yes. didn't believe that people could change, we wouldn't be in the job. Like, it just it wouldn't, like, our, our whole job is to, like, help people wanting to change facilitate that change for themselves.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And I think that, like, Ryan Reynolds' character, again, it becomes this... So there's a, this thing whereas like if we as people give up our power, so we kind of like, well, I'm just, I'm a drinker. Like I can't do anything about it. We don't have to take responsibility for it, right? Like That's right. the universe yeah. or, or our biology or something gets to, to be to blame. But what we also do in that moment is we undermine our ability to play an active role in our lives as well. So we give away positive power as well. And I think that like... What I often notice is like a lot of my work is start taking responsibility for your choices. Like start acknowledging that you are choosing to brush your teeth. You're choosing to go to the bathroom. You're choosing to drink. You're choosing to hug your daughter. You're choosing to reach out.
2: Mm -hmm. Yep.
0: That's People are like super on board with that when it's like something that they like that they've done. Right? Like they're like, yep, I followed my medical regimen exactly. Like I chose that. I did it. Good for me when they don't do it they're like well i like i wanted to but and then they like give their power away like some force.
1: yeah yeah and and clint kind of does that at the at the climax of this movie where he kind of writes off correcting his quote-unquote one bad decision as like yeah no i just fixed that thing but oh yeah i'm gonna go back to work um next week and i'm gonna keep doing all those things. And he even, I think one of the sort of greatest displays of of that sort of level of self-awareness while also being stuck in a certain degree of helplessness is he's like, "And I'm just going to rationalize all these things I do again. I'm going to be that same person. I'm going to keep doing these things. And yeah, yeah, I made this one better decision, but I think this is kind of just who I am. And what I felt watching that moment is... A little bit of fear on Clint's part that if, if I am a better person, then I can't return to that safety of rationalization as easily anymore.
0: Yeah, it's harder. Then I have
1: to deal with that pressure of actually changing and making these decisions on a consistent basis.
0: Well, okay. So that's also what I find happens with my patients all the time is they feel like, well, if I make one change, I may have to make a thousand changes. Sure. And so, like, the final or, like, the song right before Clint gets hit by the bus, the, like, main theme of it is that, like, a little is enough. And I think that, like, I love that song because I was like, yes, change starts with a tiny step. However, I think if we also pair that with Clint saying, like, well, it's just one change. I'm not going to change any of the rest of them. Both of these are true. So, like, if you do one good thing once, Yes, that's one more than you would have done otherwise. Or let me say Mm -hmm. one valued thing once. That's one more than you would have done before. However, if you don't do it again or like repeatedly or consistently, then it becomes something that you did one time. It doesn't become how you live your life, right? So if you...
1: Who you are, yeah.
0: If you planted a plant once and it died you can't i mean you can't you can say whatever you want but to to say like <laughs> sure. oh i am a gardener okay yeah i guess you are a gardener because you have gardened however like are you actively a gardener or did you garden once
2: mm-hmm. and yep.
0: if you garden once you're more of a gardener than you would be if you hadn't gardened at all right and so yes. i think like really combining those two things of like Yeah, if you want to be a gardener, that does require gardening. However, you also get to Mm -hmm. decide, like, maybe I do it once and I never do it again. You get to decide that. Um, And if it's something that you want in your life, then logic would suggest that it's something that you would want to do repeatedly. And therefore, it starts with one step.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely, and for me, celebrating that one step, I think is something that I emphasize yeah. um, in therapy, I think you know because
0: it's more than it wasn't
1: yeah and 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 not only that, but I think we have a tendency to minimize doing the thing we think we're supposed to do, right, so if it's like um. Oh, mm-hmm you know, Oh, Oh, big deal. Like I woke up and, and went to the gym this morning. Like that's what a healthiest person is supposed to do. And it's like, okay, that, that can be true that maybe that's like that standard definition of a person that takes care of themselves. But that's also something that you were not doing for yeah. this long period of time for all these different reasons. So it is significant that you went from not doing it to doing it. And I do want to celebrate it, no matter how uncomfortable that makes you person that wants to minimize this change
0: truly and i like i almost go even like more extreme than that sometimes where like my patients will kind of be like well i didn't really achieve anything and i was like uh you woke up and you got dressed and you went to work and you breathed the whole day and you greeted another person and you came home and had made money for yourself and you had dinner and then you got into bed and got rest like you kind of nailed it Right
1: mm-hmm. or yep.
0: even if they like didn't have a full day like that, like they got up and they went and like poured themselves a glass of water and then got back into bed. Yesterday you didn't hydrate at all. Nailed it. Right. Like yeah, that's what a mm-hmm. healthy person supposed to do, and you did it. You were. Yep. You did a healthy person thing, N- nailing it. Right. It's all about like the action. Yes. Um. Do what it is that you want to be. Do you want to be a healthy person do the healthy person thing. Maybe that means having a glass of water. Maybe that means going to the gym. Maybe that means calling your mom, like whatever it is.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I wonder, um, you know, if, if, if therapists were to rewrite the Christmas carol, would we want the ghost of Christmas yet to come to be like the, the hand of death and here's what bad stuff is going to happen if you don't change your ways or, Would we want it to be Christmases that are yet to come? Here's how amazing your life could be if you make this change when you wake up tomorrow.
0: I don't really like either of those. (laughs) No, I know. But
1: like if that's the spectrum and and being faced with a future has value where, where, because, you know, I think very naturally, you know, when we're working with people, you know, especially people with anxiety, it's just like, oh, if I just knew what was going to happen, you know, this year, like, I could just put my head down and do those things. So it's like, okay, yeah, knowing what the future would be would make it a lot easier for you to do, quote, unquote, the right thing or or make some of these changes we're talking about. But, you know, in the same way that knowing the negative consequences of your actions doesn't totally motivate you to change them, Mm -hmm. like knowing the supposed benefits of doing the right thing also is not just like automatically motivating. No, so certainly not. The future part is always a fascinating part of this like story to me.
0: Well, so I, I'll i give you an example. So I have a patient who has OCD and they explicitly will be like, yeah, I am aware how my life will be different if I am no longer engaging in my compulsion. Yeah, yeah, I get it. Yeah. So if if Ghost of Christmas Future were to be like, this is how your life would look without compulsions. They're like, yeah, no, ish, Sherlock. No kidding. Like,
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
0: I yeah. I know. I've thought about it. Right. Yeah. And on the other side, like if you said to them, like, this is what your life looks like, if you don't give up your compulsions, they're like, Yeah, no, I know what hole I'm digging myself, right?
1: I'm already there. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. I think
0: like it really kind of depends on where the person is at what it can be so i think for the scrooges and the clint's their characters are not aware of the consequences of their behavior and so for them it's chosen of like this is what you're doing this is the consequence of your behavior there are patients who like don't believe that goodness can happen so they're like why would i bother to Mm -hmm. change right and so yeah for them you would kind of want to be like well look this is what could happen and
2: Mm-hmm. Frequently,
0: I'll have patients who will be like, Well, what if? And then they'll tell, like, you know, the worst example. And I'm like, Yeah, you're right. That's probably what's going to happen. And they'll, they're like, Haley. And I'm like,
1: uh, Well, what? And yeah. then I'm yeah. like, Oh, okay.
0: Is that no, is that no where our brain is going? They're like, No, that is where my brain is going. And I'm like, Okay, well, game. where yeah. do you want your brain yeah. to go? And they'll be like, Well, I want yeah. you to be like, Well, no, maybe. And then they um, like tell the positive version of it. And I go, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's probably what's going to happen. They're always like super annoyed with me when I do that. And I'm like, yeah. point one, we don't know how it's gonna turn out. Point That's two, right. yeah. it could turn out one of these ways. And you just gotta figure out your best. Um, yeah. So I think like if I were a therapist choosing, it would totally depend on like the person. Like, is this a person who needs yeah. to be reminded that good can happen? Um
2: mm-hmm.
0: and what kind of good can happen. Um, for example, like the the OCD patients they often get caught up in it's going to be this way forever and what's the point and yeah. so like they recognize like yeah i understand what you say can happen but like i don't believe that can actually happen for them really kind of like encouraging exploring future and like ex- like mm-hmm. hoping a little bit dreaming a little bit yeah and um, can be really yeah, meaningful yeah. for other patients particularly like self-centered or anxiety-based patients it's Let's back up on the dreaming a little bit and start thinking about like the, what do we actually have control over or like what are the consequences of our actions? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Cause I think, you know, the, the idea that, um, you know, I, and I like the running joke of, you know, uh, uh ghost of Christmas yet to come just points.
2: Oh, and,
1: uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it's like, um, There's something interesting there where, yeah, so Ghost of Christmas Future. And it's like, okay, so as as a social worker, we have this very stereotypical tool called the miracle question, Uh right? Where it's the whole idea is imagine a world in which you woke up tomorrow and a miracle has happened. Um, How would you know the miracle had happened? What would be different? What would you notice? What would be different Mm -hmm. in your interactions? And that's sort of what I was picturing in this sort of like, what would the opposite of uh, like mm-hmm. scary death version of Christmas yet to come be like? Because that's we we do when we ask that question to sort of do exactly what scary version is doing, which is to like let's find the hope, let's find the energy, let's find the motivation. Oh, if this is something that we're trying to envision this miracle being possible, there are details that are within your control uh-huh. that you can then enact yeah in your actual life you yeah. know to to create conditions around you know as if yeah. this miracle had happened anyway
0: so yeah. the act-based version of the miracle question is if your life was the way that you wanted it to be what would you be doing right and there's emphasis mm-hmm. on that action right yep. what would you be doing yes, that yes. you're not doing now and mm-hmm. um really emphasis on like you're the person taking action in this scenario. And then that's you right. are like, well, if your perfect life includes you reading every day, what's keeping you from reading every day? And is that worth it? Right. Or what are you doing yep. now that's in the direction of you one day living a life where you read reading?
1: Yeah. And where those questions are, are not necessarily useful is with people like Scrooge, who it's like, what are you talking about? I was doing just fine. Can yeah. I just go back to living my life the way that it was? Mm-hmm. And, and that's, that's where this sort of uh, dynamic breaks down a little bit, because if someone is coming to you, it's because they want their life to be different, uh, presumably to some degree than it is mm-hmm. now. Yeah. And the Scrooges and Clint's are not having that necessarily that that desire yeah. um, until they are faced with like a very specific negative outcome. In Clint's case, you know, he's given this sort of advice to his niece and. Unintended consequences, really, actually, dark intended unintended consequences. This this movie started as something that I would watch with my seven year old, and it got to a place that I'm not sure if I want to. But that one was
0: so euphemistic that she probably wouldn't even understand what happened.
1: You're right; they don't actually name it. Yeah,
0: like the the closest uh, we get is "Why would he do something like that?" Was all they said. Yes. Yes. Well, and my like biggest issue with this movie is. That poor niece. First she loses her mom, and then she has this, like, weird interaction with her uncle, and then he gets hit by a bus. Like, yep. the trauma of that poor girl, and they just, like, blow right past it. And it's all because the only they reason do, he was and, there was because and... of her presidency run. Like, you don't think she's carrying that with her forward? Like, oh my goodness. Right, and why...
1: You know, so okay, so so Clint dies, uh, and then Jacob basically tells him, you know, oh, yeah. uh, your sacrifice wouldn't,
0: wouldn't have mattered wouldn't, if you hadn't died uh, be valuable basically.
1: without if it didn't have consequences. Right. And and you know that that's coming from like a very <laughs> like puritanical um, like uh mindset where it's like if you're not punished or if you don't like if there's what value But then it's it's some of that's taken away if he's still able to visit uh, Ebenezer and he's able to visit um, Kimberly. But why do we not see him visiting his niece is my whole question is like if he's got visiting powers, there's someone out there who would most benefit from this. Not, you know, Ebenezer's two kids that he's had since you became the new ghost of Christmas. I know
0: know. it's very confusing. It almost seems like there's something about that family that can see the ghosts rather than like whatever but i guess i think it does yeah. seem like will ferrell is maybe like invested with his niece a little bit because he was like did you see that ren got into the stanford masters? that's true so he's
1: yeah. yeah so they tried to cover it up for a little bit where it's like he's following along with her or, my brain also still... was
0: like they had to throw in that she was going to stanford for a master's because like look she turned out fine <laughs> which like, right, i'm right. sorry she's okay somebody, everybody
1: don't worry about her somebody yeah. can
0: succeed." academically and still have a lot of stuff going on because their mom and uncle both died yep. tragically oh poor girl mm-hmm. my goodness that's
1: yeah i know <laughs>
0: um, i also think this yeah idea, so they... i think there's a song called forever unredeemable which i think was will ferrell's song mm-hmm. and i think that that really yep. resonated with this idea of negative self-talk like we have these statements about ourselves. Like I'm forever unredeemable. I'm a bad person. I'm awkward. I'm like, people don't like me. Like we have these narrative, like, these like negative narratives that like we let be the truth rather than recognizing that they're just a dream or just a song in our head or just a, a narrative in our head. Um, and then we use them to hold us back from like making those explicit changes.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's uh you know they they do a lot you know i mean the between the songs and yeah. the morals and this you know the stuff that they're trying to pull from it it's yeah it's it's it
0: was a lot it's
1: overstuffed yeah uh, it's it's yeah. chock full of you know uh lessons and takeaways and and spirits
2: <laughs> so yeah
1: i mean it's you know look it's it's got substance. It does have some really... It asks some really interesting questions mm-hmm. um, and it tries to answer those questions in really interesting, unique ways. And it certainly gives us some models for almost like, you know, I, we mentioned we made this sort of sponsor-sponsey comparison, but I also found myself doing um, research on... Have you heard of mutual aid therapy? No. Okay, so it's it's it doesn't seem to be like super popular out in the world but it is something that exists and um it seems to be described in a way in which um i'm just gonna read you from um, what i found while i was doing this research it relies on the power of small groups or peers uh, to support the individual as they gain confidence in their ability to use essentially various coping skills but the uh, members partaking in this mutual aid therapy um, there is constant fluidity between the roles of like consoled and counselor. So I, I had to ask you yeah. what you think about this model because I think it's fascinating. Yeah. Because I I also and this is gonna be like a, a long walk to get to this point, but I read an article recently. There's um you know, certainly countries, uh, especially in Africa, was this um, story. I think it was in the New York Times recently, where um, they acknowledged just the crazy shortage of therapists and um, like psychologists and psychiatrists in certain, um, particularly African countries, where it's uh-huh. like something like thirty-five psychiatrists for uh-huh. you know two million people or whatever. Uh-huh. Um, so this concept of mutual aid or social aid or um like village elders sort of doing some of these roles like as therapist uh-huh. i think is a really interesting one and obviously i think you and i would have concerns or caution about exactly how some of these dynamics would play out but i guess in general what how does this idea strike you
0: yeah i mean i think it's great um i just think it's not therapy So, okay. Right. So that's, that's a
1: good clarification. Yeah.
0: So I think that like support groups and like men's groups, particularly that you don't frequently have like women's groups, but like there's a lot of like support groups,
1: like frameworks. Yeah.
0: But like happen. And I'm also thinking like, if you have a friend group, that's all just like very, supportive of each other and very open and very vulnerable like this is what happens right Is like some days it's your turn to be sad and consoled and other days it's my turn to be sad and consoled um i think in the difference between friendships and these types of groups is i think that there's like an explicit like now like who's holding the conch basically like whose turn is it to talk but Mm -hmm. i think the benefit well first of all you speaking about them being very popular in Africa um African culture there's a lot more uh collaboration and like tribal collectivism that happens mm-hmm. in, in oh, African culture yeah, yeah. um and so mm-hmm. i think that that almost feels as though like the level of respect and and like honor of each other would be a reason why that would mm-hmm. work explicitly better there than it does here um, oh, in the united no states yeah. and I think that like one of the things that really works about therapy is this like explicit difference between friendship and support group and therapist. And I think that they each have a really cool role to play just as long as Mm -hmm. you're like, it's not, you recognize it's not the same thing. It's Like a coach and a therapist. Like I send some of my teenagers who have ADHD to ADHD coaches. I'm like, I'm not going to sit with you and create a plan of how to do this however Mm -hmm. there is somebody that will and if yes one of us did the other one's job it like wouldn't work very well so it's better if you have me one week at them another week and just kind of like use them I know what works for you I think that's what it comes down to Mm -hmm. I know what works for you
1: well yeah and and, you know I, I think part of the reason I was interested in this concept is because certainly there are gaps that need to be filled you know whether it's because you don't have that sort of friend group or because you don't have insurance, you don't have access to therapists yeah. or, you know, you know, all these different circumstances. And that's why things like um, AA and sponsor-sponsee relationships have a lot of benefit. That's why coaches uh-huh. have benefit. Why community organizations and support groups and, and village elders and all these different types of uh, relationships can be, uh, can serve really important roles mm-hmm. um, while also not Explicitly being therapy, so yeah. yeah so it's just I think it's important for people to know that there is a ton of different stuff out there. You know, it it often requires a little bit of research and, and kind of digging around, but yeah. Um, but you can find stuff if you're yeah. willing to look.
0: Yeah, I agree. Yeah, yeah. Like so that why don't we? Uh, yeah,
1: I was gonna say, why don't we put a nice little Christmas bow on this?
0: I love it. So my scale for you, Ryan, is. Mm -hmm. my favorite moment in the whole movie So on a scale from zero to five will ferrell's pointing at the man in the elf costume and saying you look stupid (laughs) How, (laughs) uh, how accurate do you feel like this portrayed therapy or mental health or the human experience
1: okay so it's really hard for me to give such a fantastical fictional meta christmas story any good rating of something that's based in reality even the characters are sort of like tropes in their own way like he's uh-huh. a modern scrooge like he's uh-huh. just he's a guy right um that being said i will try to give it some credit on let's say, the change process and some representation on some of the struggles that people experience in navigating some of that. So let's say it is, I'll try to be like, like a generous 2.2 out of five for accuracy.
0: Wow, it's not often that you rate lower than me.
1: Okay, so so you were going to give it you would you would have given a more generous accuracy rating.
0: I'm like 3.2 to 3.5 ish.
1: Okay, yeah. I mean, I, I don't disagree with that. It's just like it's for me. It's like s- like you know, we're dealing with you know spirits and all these things that are are so removed from <laughs> reality that yeah. it's hard for me to distill that down to w- what real stuff needs yeah. to be taken from it. Uh-huh. But but for sure, there's really useful yeah. like interpersonal dynamics and lessons yeah. that I think are, that are based I, in reality in those sorts of say. relationships.
0: That I think is kind of important is what it really illustrates is that like growth is not linear and change is not linear. Mm -hmm. And I think that's also really important is to recognize that like you can do this for a bit and then not do it for a while and then do it again and then not right. And I think that that's that was something that was like really nicely portrayed. Yeah.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah. Okay. Good stuff. So Haley, uh, before I ask you your entertaining question, I I feel compelled to to maintain our 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 um like popularity ratings guessing game um oh, okay so what do you think uh spirited did in terms of rotten tomatoes, rotten tomatoes. Um, and it's, on, it's 100. 104 out of a scale of 100 okay yes
0: i think like 83
1: Pretty good guess. So out of 104 critics' reviews, uh, 70% is the score oh, it got. that wasn't good at all. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's like a solid C. Oh, what's and, you the know, audience not, not rating? That's
0: what I—that's what I'm more going by.
1: So it looks like the um, oops, because
0: I understand why critics rated it less.
1: Yeah, yeah, it looks like it was like a six point. It looks like actually slightly lower. Oh but I'm going to confirm that as I'm talking. Because
0: it didn't need to be a musical.
1: Uh, yeah. So that was one of the criticisms is that it's literally like overstuffed with so much. Like they tried to do so much with it. Oh, there you go. Audience score. What was the, what, what did you, uh, what, what rating did you guess?
0: 83.
1: Audience score of 82.
0: I am so at good that. at guessing the audience. You're very, score you're very good things. at this guessing I game. I love this game. And the we tomato meter was 69. <laughs> yeah. That's we're we're going to keep playing
1: it as, as long as you keep I killing love it. That. So, okay, but but that brings us to your uh yeah. your view. So, on a scale of 1 to 5 good afternoons. Oh, no. How dare which you? like what if that I think I think that was my <laughs> I think that was my funniest running joke was oh, that like was funny. like the idea of an old-timey saying just yeah. like having this crazy different context. Uh-huh. Um how entertaining did you find spirited?
0: So I have what I think it would have been for me had I not been watching it for this and then Mm -hmm. what it was for me. So what it was for me was probably like a 3.2 ish. Okay. Um, Like it was like, yeah, that was slightly better than fine.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Fluffy light. Yeah. Yeah. Mm hmm
0: the thing that's really nice about Christmas movies is that you don't overthink them. And you and I explicitly overthink movies for this show, right? We sure do. That's our job. Yes. So like, so this movie, I think like if I took out watching it to like tease it apart and like watching it to like explore the pieces of it and like how, what do I think is good about this? What do I think is bad about this? I think I would have, enjoyed my blanket and my hot chocolate and i would have watched it and i would have giggled at will ferrell pointing to the elf the buddy of the elf costume and saying you look stupid um like i think i would have plus like ryan reynolds is hilarious he's always so funny very
1: enjoyable yes absolutely and
0: like that scene where he's like are we doing a christmas carol is that what's happening here i think i would have loved that scene If I wasn't like, oh, Mm -hmm. this feels like someone who's resistant to therapy. Um, (laughs) And so I think if I had watched it simply for being a Christmas movie, it probably Mm -hmm. would have been like a 4.2. Like, I think it would have been like a whole point higher because I Mm -hmm.
1: like Saturday night before Christmas, just throwing it on. Yeah. 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 I think
0: it's fine. It's stupid. It's real dumb. And -hmm. it's like, but it's, it's really fun. It feels like. Deadpool Christmas.
1: A little bit. Yes.
0: Yeah. yes. Which I was like, that's fun.
1: Yeah. And there's a place for that. Yeah. I mean, we, we started out talking about our own favorite Christmas things. And a lot of them are just stupid and silly. And, yeah. you know, my daughter makes fun of how many times uh, the bad guys from Home Alone should have died. Uh-huh. Like she's, she's on that level with us of like that what he would be dead
0: <laughs> maybe next year for halloween she can be kevin mcallister and you and your wife can be the the two guys who try Ooh. to break into the house
1: i would have to be marv that would be fun
0: yeah somebody can you know get a an iron, a, a iron like burn to the on their face
1: yes, <laughs> yes all right Haley well uh happy holidays holidays. uh to to you and to all of our listeners thank you all for listening uh this holiday season and this year and we will come back to you in uh in the new year in 2023 with lots of more fun things to talk about
0: yay bye bye